for all the slackers who aren't here, I am now recording um, first Wednesday worship. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 90, talk about the eternity of God. And this is from the um, Living Bible, Prayer of Moses. It says, Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. We could just spend the rest of the, the, the evening right there in that scripture. Through all the generations, you have been our home. Interesting, I guess, coming from Moses, um, who basically is taking the people of Israel out of bondage and going back to the promised land, going back to the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before they moved. Um, 400 years previously, when they were put into bondage in, in Egypt, and yet Moses says, Lord, uh, through all the generations, even, even when we weren't home, you have been our home. Through all 400 years of slavery, you have been our home. Before the mountains were created, before the earth was formed, you are God without beginning or end. Uh, the initial, the original says, from as everlasting to everlasting, or from, uh, from the fading view to the fading view. He's talking about an eternal God who is eternal in respect to the past and also eternal in respect to the future. From uh, everlasting to everlasting, you have no beginning, you have no end. You speak and man turns to dust. A thousand years are but as yesterday to you. They are like a single hour. We glide along the tides of time as swiftly as a racing river and vanish as quickly as a dream. We are like grass that is green in the morning but mowed down and withered before the evening shadows fall. We die beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your wrath. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. No wonder the years are long and heavy here beneath your wrath. All of our days are filled with sighing. Seventy years are given to us. Some may even live to be eighty. But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear and we are gone. Who can realize the terrors of your anger? Which of us can fear you as he should? I think that's a good question. Which of us can actually fear God as he should? 12, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days and to recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. O Jehovah, come and bless us. How long will you delay? Turn away your anger from us. Satisfy us in our earliest youth with your loving kindness, giving us constant joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. <laughs> replace the evil years with good let us see your miracles again let our children see glorious things the kind you used to do and let the lord our god favor us and give us success may he give permanence to all that we do may he give permanence to all that we do when we talk about the eternity of god the eternal nature of god we're talking about a character quality or an attribute of God, something that God's revealed about himself to be true, something that he thinks is very important for us to know. And eternity is one of those things. It's, God thinks it's important that we know that he has no beginning. Um, he never began to be. All of us have a birth date, and that's when we began to be um, on our birth date. But God uh, doesn't have a beginning. He, he if you know, if, if, he, if he were to have been, if he were to have a beginning, um, then that would mean that he wasn't God, because then that means that something was before him, or something began him. 
something birthed him, something created him. Um, and since you can't birth yourself, we know that God was never birthed, he was never created. Even, even Jesus, uh, John 3.16, says that he is the begotten of the Father, but that still doesn't mean that, that Jesus has a birthday. It doesn't mean that Jesus ever began to be. Jesus um, is eternal as the Father is eternal. And Jesus is one with the Father. And so uh, the pre-existence of Christ is one of the, is one of the, the signatures of, of Christ. One of the reasons why we know that Jesus is God and that Jesus is all that he claimed to be is because Jesus existed before he was actually born. Does that make sense? So his spirit, God existed before he, he had a body. And, um, uh, and so it's a little bit difficult for us to understand. But the next slide, Revelation 1.8, um, Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, that's the beginning of the alphabet and the end of the alphabet. The Alpha and the Omega, um, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, uh, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. John 5.26 says, for as the Father has life, in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. In other words, um, God is the un uncaused cause. So God caused everything that we see. He created everything that we see. He, he's the author of everything that we see, but, but, but nobody has authored him because he has life in himself. And I think it's so important to to know that because many times, you know, you can get the impression that whenever uh, you hear about, you know, why did God create the world? Why did God create humans? Why did God make all these things? And the most common answer that I get is, well, he wanted fellowship with, with people. And uh, certainly he does want fellowship with us, but that doesn't really explain why he would create us because he literally waited forever <laughs> to create mankind. Uh, he existed in eternity past, which means if you were to dial back the clock and go back in time to uh, whenever the world began, whether it's 5,000 years ago or 60 trillion years ago, if you were to go back to when the beginning of the world began, that God, you could still go back in time even prior to that when there was no time. There was no keeping track of time. There was no sun and moon. There was no days and weeks and years. And uh, you could continue soaring back and back and back until you keep going into this endless mist almost of trying to understand where God would have started, where he would have began. But as far back as you can go, you're going to find God all by himself. And God completely satisfied in himself. God completely fulfilled in himself because he has life in himself. He doesn't rely on life from anything else. And he doesn't draw life from anything else. He has life within himself, and Jesus Christ has life within himself. That's why Jesus said, uh, I have come that you may have life. Because if he didn't come, you can't have life, because he is life within himself. So whenever he says, I have come that you may have life, he means that life has come that you may have life. <laughs> that when, whenever God gives us eternal life, whenever we receive the gift of eternal life, it's not like a, a gift, like, like if I were to give this iPad to somebody where this, this iPad is separate from me. You can take this iPad and, and I will still be intact. But when God gives the gift of eternal life, he's giving himself to us. And we are receiving, literally we are receiving Christ. He is eternal life because life is within himself. Uh, there's no life outside of him. There's no possibility for existence outside of him. Um, he dwells in eternity, and time is just a small dash. It's almost like uh, C.S. Lewis said that if you were to uh, pretend that you had this unlimited roll of paper and you rolled it out for as far as the eye could see, and you took a pencil and you drew a one-inch line on it, um, the paper would be eternity, 
and that one inch line would be time. All of time, all of, all of recorded history, all of pre-recorded history, um, from beginning to end, all of time fits in a very teeny tiny portion of eternity. And um, this is where God dwells. And this is why God knows the future, not because you know, he sees visions, but because he literally, as, as the scripture said, he said, all, he says, a thousand years are, are as yesterday to you. So what is future to us? Is, is as yesterday to, to God because God is there and he, he, he beholds it all at once. Um, he is eternally um, present tense. He's never looking forward and he's never looking behind. We, we, we have to wait. You know, we have to wait 12 hours for, 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 uh, uh, for half of a revolution of the day. We have to wait 24 hours for an entire revolution of a day. And we have to wait for things to appear and to happen and for seasons. But God has never had to wait for anything. Which, which really adds to the power of the Incarnation, that God would become man and limit himself to having to wait uh, to get a driver's license till he's 17, to having to, 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 to wait for his meals, to having to wait for life to unfold. He never had to wait for any life to ever unfold. It was always it, it unfolded as he saw it unfold, uh, the entire um, plan of history. And so how would, how would a God like that communicate um, to people like us stuck inside of time to let him know that he is in fact God? Well, it's called prophecy. That's why he gives words to his prophets so that people would understand that he is outside of time and he is above time, so he knows what's going to happen um, long before it ever does. Not because he, he gets, you know, he, he's a lucky guess, but because he has seen it happen or he has seen it happen even right now, John 8, 5, uh, John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's, that's one of Jesus' many claims um, to be God, uh, because that's the title that God gave to himself. Uh, whenever Abraham or Moses said, Who should I say sent me? God said, Tell them I am sent you. And this is applicable only to God, because only God is always in the present tense. Uh, regardless of what time period in, in history you may think about, God is currently in the present tense in that time period. He's beholding it all at, the, at this very moment. Uh, Proverbs 8.22, this is a passage of scripture that I think is fascinating. Um, and I, and I, it's, it's speaking of wisdom. It's wisdom personified. Wisdom is talking to us. Um, but uh, I think it's actually um, speaking of Christ as well, because... Wisdom makes some claims here that I think only, only God can make. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. He said, I have been established from everlasting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's God. I've been established from the unbegun beginning. I've been established from the dark mist of the past that, you can, that, you, that it blows your mind if you start to think about it. That's where I come from. I come from everlasting. From the beginning, before there was ever an earth, uh, where there are no depths, I was brought forth. Where there are no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills were brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. In other words, somebody who is right alongside of him, involved in the work of creation. And we know John 1, 1, that in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, when he assigned to the sea its limits that the uh, waters wouldn't transgress, that's when I was beside him as a master tra- craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was in the sons of men. I find that interesting that 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 in the very beginning of creation, you have the Father delighting in the Son, you have the Son delighting in humanity. And uh, you, have, you have this, this, this joy that's just springing forth. And, and so whenever you ask, well, well, why did God create man? Why did God create the world? The real, really, the answer is it was his abounding joy that created everything. It was the fact that within himself he was so satisfied and so joyful and it just spilled over into a creative process. It's interesting that God sort of designed humans to create in that way as well. He could have come up with any sort of way, but I think it's symbolic of the way that, 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 that God's um, joy within himself just sprung out and suddenly you had trees and a myriad of different kinds of butterflies and, and all sorts of, of crazy creatures and fleas that do a full 360 flip in midair. Um, for those of you that don't know, they actually do a 360. Anyway, now therefore listen to me, my children, for... For blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. He who sins against me, wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me, love death. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, God's talking uh, about this, 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 um, this, uh, prophecy that he does. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel will stand and I will do my pleasure. Um, and so this is part of uh, God that we serve. He's without beginning. Um, he needs nothing and he has life within himself. He has complete life within himself. He's also without end. So his word is eternal there. He says, uh, he says that his, his counsel shall stand. Uh, in Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Uh, it doesn't shift with, with culture. It doesn't shift with what Americans value and think is right and wrong. But God's word is settled in heaven. So it's forever. And it's continual. Uh, in John 14.16, um, we see that God's covenant is also forever. He says, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit's role is to abide with us forever. Uh, and then Hebrews thirteen eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, uh, today, and forever. Uh, and this idea of eternity, I think, is so important that we understand and live with. Um, eternity, the old timers used to say, eternity stamped on our eyelids. In other words, we see this current life through the lens of eternity. We understand this current situation through the lens of eternity. So even just this past Sunday, um, I, as a pastor, my wife and I get to have the privilege of just talking with a lot of different people. And it was great this past Sunday. It was a low attendance. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like Easter or anything. A lot of people out Memorial Day weekend, but we did have some visitors, and so we got to, I got to hang out and talk to the visitors. We had one couple, uh, Matthew and Amanda, got to hang out and talk to them for a while, and then also got to hang out and talk to um, an, another uh, guy who hasn't been coming very long. Just been talking to him, and you guys all tore down, so thank you for that. 
Uh, and uh, I just enjoy um, chatting with folks. And, 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 and I often have opportunities to speak into their life. Um, because once somebody knows that you're a pastor, they kind of come and they ask you um, questions, you know. And, and usually it's kind of big, big life questions. Like, you know, where should I live? Should I take this job or that job? Should I marry this person or that person? Should I date this? Like, big questions that I have no idea what they should do. Um, I don't know if they should live over there or live over here, get that house, get the other. I don't really, like, all I, I just, I'm. I know the word, and I and I love people, and my job is to point people to Jesus. And so, um, one of my jobs is just to kind of simplify things um, for folks, because there are a lot of uh, ramifications to multiple decisions. And so, a question that I that I ask people a lot, and actually I just asked Madden um, last night. Um, Madden and I were talking, uh, and I said, "What do you think? What do you think God wants from you?" Because at the end of the day, what's the bottom line? What does God what, is, what does God want from me? Well, I mean, what, what's this really all about? Um, certainly, there are, there's a number of things that you could list, but, and then several of them would be right. But what is kind of the bottom line? What is the goal of God um, for you? What does God want from you? And I think John 3.16 is probably that bottom line. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him um, should not perish, but should have everlasting or eternal life. And I think that is sort of the, simple, the simplest answer that I could give, that God wants to live with you in eternity. That God wants you to enter into heaven. That God wants you to be with him in eternity. You're currently in time, and there's a lot of things going on here in time, and there's a lot of changes happening. There's changes, all of us have gone through changes. Even today, your body went through a change. You, 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 you wake up groggy, you get some coffee, that's a change. Uh, suddenly you're not groggy anymore. You get going to work, whatever your work may be, and you have energy. And then you get hungry, and that's a change. And then you get lunch. You eat, you get full, that's a change. And then you crash, the sugar crash, around 2 p.m., that's another change. By now, at about 7.45, you're kind of getting tired. And weary again, and here in about a couple hours, you're going to be hitting the pillow and sleeping because your body needs sleep. So really, within just a few hours, you went from this whole plethora of different uh, states. You were, you were groggy, then you were wide awake, full of energy, then you were hungry, and then you were sleepy, and then you kind of had some more food and carbs, and it bulks you back up again. And then you get sleepy again. You wear down. And just like we wear down over a day, we wear down over a life. And so a 14-year-old can do stuff that I really shouldn't do, um, because I would probably like strain some kind of muscle or, you know, hurt my knee or something, and, and then and I'm 36, but a, a 70, a, an 82-year-old, I can probably do stuff that an 82-year-old can't do, and uh, because you're wearing down, you're wearing, you're, you're changing, and you're getting, you're, I mean, you're, you, it's just everything, it's just the molecular structure of your body is shifting, and we're all... We're, we're all in process, and that's why the scripture says that we're like that river that's constantly moving. We are in constant flux. We are in constant change. Not only, not only are we in constant change, but our circumstances are in constant change. And our circumstances are, and everybody's moods and, their, and, their, and their, their actions toward us are changing, and their intentions for us are changing, and people are coming into our life, and they're coming out of our life, and they're coming into our life. And, and even the people who, are, who stay in our life forever, they're also changing. If you're married for more than... 
you know, a couple of years, you have to realize that, 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 that well, that you're going to be married to a different person 10 years from now than you were married to 10 years ago. And your spouse is going to be married to a different person than, than they were 10 years ago because we're all changing. We're, we, are, we are impacted by what we read, by what we watch, by what we listen to. Hopefully we're growing spiritually. Um, we're either growing spiritually or shrinking spiritually. So there's, a, there's, there's always going to be a change there. You're either getting closer to God or further away from God. Uh, most of us, our nose and our ears are getting bigger no matter what you want to say or do. It's just nothing. You get, hair starts growing in different places that didn't used to grow. Because we're all like shifting. Our personalities are even changing based on your job and based on your, 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 your encounters and things that happen to you. Things that happen in your life. You are, you are in flux. You are in movement. And so it's hard for us to understand or to think about a God who is so removed from change and so outside of time that things that we feel are um, somewhat permanent are actually quite temporal to him. And so the great question is, well, what does, what does, what does God want? What, is, what, is, what does he want from me? Well, he wants us to enter into eternity, into heaven. And this is ultimately why um, people are worth it with our sermon series that we're going through right now. People are worth it because eternity is a reality. And the truth is, we are all racing toward eternity. We are all racing toward the end of our line, of our time. And at the end of that time, Scripture teaches that we're either going to be in heaven or in hell. Forever. Now, heaven is the presence of God manifested His glory, His goodness, His greatness. Hell is also the presence of God manifested, but it's manifested in His wrath and in His judgment and His punishment. It's eternal punishment. And so when you think about that, when you think that every single person that you know, every single person that you see, every single person that you pass by on a daily basis, they are racing toward either heaven or hell. And the, it's, very, it's very sobering. That's why people are worth it. That's why we do what we do. That, 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 that's, that's why we, we help people move. You guys helped some folks move this week. That's why we, we do the carnival stuff, because we want to impact people and invite them into a relationship with Jesus so that they can get to heaven. And, and, it's, and it's, it's this passion, it's this, it's this eternal mindset that fuels us, that pushes us to get out of our comfort zone and to invite people into relationship with Jesus because, uh, because, because it's so important because there's not going to be any exit doors to hell. There's not any way out. Uh, you know. And I, so, so I was talking to somebody recently and I, and I said, what do you think God wants from you? And I said, basically, look, everything, God would sacrifice everything to get you into heaven. I mean, everything. You, and, 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 and if you really thought about it, and if you could really see it from his perspective, you would too. Because it's amazing to me that, you know, we live about 70 years. Some of us are lucky, um, live a little bit longer. My, my grandma is like 91, and so she's, you know, as old as the hills, basically. And, um, but not a lot of people get to live that long. And some people don't even live up to 70. So, but anyway, if you think, okay, fine, I, maybe I'll live up to 90 years. If you lived 90 years and you and you and everything worked out exactly, every moment of your life was exactly what you wanted it to be, which is completely impossible. But if somehow you were able to figure this out, you had a you had a genie and you had like a thousand wishes, you know, because like the first one you wish for a thousand wishes, 
And so, um, you know, and so you, you had this genie in the bottle and you had a thousand, everything you wanted worked out exactly for 90 years of your life. You never, you never once had to take Tylenol. You never had a backache. You never even got sick, never vomited. Everything was perfect for 90 years. And yet you never entered into a relationship with God. And so you die. You stand before God as a sinner and you have no covering for your sin and you have no excuse for your sin and you have no, 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 no blood of Christ on your life. You have no forgiveness of your sin and you're cast into hell and you, and you go into eternal torment. You go into torment, uh, it's described as a lake of fire. Um, it's described as, as, as a bottomless pit. It's described as the place where, where even the worm doesn't die. So even though it's in constant agony, there's, there's no death there. It's just, it's just constant pain and agony. You'd never get a drink of anything. You'd never taste another morsel of food, and you'd never sleep again. And you're in that place for, you know, a year, 365 days. And you look back on your 90 years of joy and pleasure, would it be worth it for one year in that place? Probably not, because that'd be pretty awful. But then imagine, maybe you're in that place for another year. How about 10 years? You are in that place of never drinking, never eating, never resting, never sleeping, never able to find comfort, never able to sit like this because this is resting. And you, you can't do it because you're constantly swimming in fire. And you're in that place for 10 years. Suddenly those nine years, definitely not worth it. But then you know that when you're in that place for 10 years, you still have another, let's say, a thousand years to go, a millennium in that place. And you're there for... For, for, for two millennium, how, how about 10,000 years? And then, you know, maybe you're there for 100,000 years. Was those 90 years of joy and pleasure and stuff, was that worth it? Well, after 100,000 years, you're no closer. You, you still have another 100,000 years to go. And then you have 10,000. Then you have a million years to go. And then you have a billion years. And at a billion years, you look back at those 90 years of your life. You're not even going to remember what those 90 years were about. And that's why it's so amazing that within this small, teeny sliver of our existence, what we do here affects all of that. And at the same time, somebody else who finds Jesus, who makes him the Lord of their life, maybe they were homeless their entire life, maybe they lived 90 years and they had degenerative disease and they were in constant pain for 90 years, the first 90 years of heaven just would have completely erased all of those memories. So the question is not, does God want you to have a better job? The question is not, does God want you to be able to afford a nicer house? The question is not, does God even want you to be so physically fit that you never feel any pain or, or you're never disappointed or you're never... No, the question is, how can God get you to heaven? And so me and Madden were talking about this last night because last night I mentioned that Micah won um, a soccer ball in the raffle. And um, Micah has 100,000 soccer balls. Um, <laughs> and now he has 100,001. Um, he, he loves, like, he just, and anyway, Micah and, and Madden. And this is so interesting that this happened yesterday because also yesterday in the morning, I didn't tell anybody, but I was going over all of our pictures for our um, kids' club because we're getting ready for another kids' club. Those of us who have joined us the past couple of years, like, we got some new folks here actually who were not here last year, so. You're going to help us do Kids Club this month. Yeah. Just by the way, we're going to recruit you. And uh, we're doing it in two locations this year. We're going to stretch ourselves. So we're going to be at Williams Elementary, and we're going to be at River Ridge Community. And uh, we set up for three days, and we basically just tell the gospel to kids. Because, because, what? Three nights. 
Three nights, yeah. That's what I said. Right? Three, yes, three, uh, three p.m.s, um, if we're going to divide them up that way. Uh, so yeah, we set up, it's just only like an hour and a half each night, and uh, we, we do it, we have games, we have a lot of water balloon fights and cookies and snacks and prizes, and then we teach a lesson, and basically the first night is all about um, that God is love, tell, tell the kids who God is, and the second night is we need God, in other words, you're a sinner and you need God. You're broken. And the third night is Jesus is God. Jesus brings salvation. And so we make it very, very evangelistic. And our goal is to tell kids about Jesus in hopes that they come into relationship with Jesus so that they don't so that they can go to heaven and they don't go to hell. John three sixteen. So that so that so that they do not perish eternally, but that they have everlasting life. That's our goal. Our goal is not to build our church. Our goal is some somebody's like, Yeah, as soon as you get the kids, then you get the adults. And I'm not out to get people. I'm out to tell people about Jesus so that they don't go to hell. Like, that's what it's about. And so last year we had 10 kids commit their lives to Jesus. And we talked to each one and said, do you have a home church? Some of them, their parents did go to a church. Some of them didn't. So we talked to their parents and invited them. But our, our goal is to present Jesus, to help them understand Jesus, and help them receive Jesus. And um, so please, please help us in that. But I was, I was looking over the pictures from the last couple of years, and, and I don't know what it is. I probably have a problem. I, and I was thinking about this. I have a problem. I need to work on my heart because something's up. Because I, I love Kids Club as a pastor. I love Kids Club for what it does for our church because all of us together, we work together, we serve. People teach who don't normally teach. People lead who don't normally lead. Like me and Roe don't do it all. Um, it's, it's really a, a community involvement, and I love that because it gets all of us serving. I also love it because it impacts the community, so it's really, really good for the kingdom of God and for people to find out about Jesus. So as a pastor, it's amazing, but as a dad, it sucks. <laughs> In a Christian way. It's, sorry, the kids are not allowed to say that. It's a bad word. That's Pest, from back when Pastor Harry was a sinner. Still working on that. Um, so, uh, it's not cool, it's bad. I, I hate kids club as a dad. The dad inside of me can't stand it. Because, I mean, I mean, my kids love the games, they love the teaching, they, they actually like it when I teach, they think it's funny, so that's cool. Um, they really, they, they're my biggest um, cheerleaders. But what I hate so much is that there's always a raffle. There's always a raffle, and we, of course, buy the prizes. We, of course, buy stuff our kids would like, because we have kids, and so we think of this would be awesome. Well, every year, like, the first year, Madden was at age, she was five years old, and she just had her heart set on this big dolphin that we had. And so, you know, yeah, all the, you know, all, everybody puts their tag in there, we do a raffle, and she and her big eyes are just waiting. And so I kept pushing the dolphin till the last night, you know? So I'm like, the winner is, okay, somebody else this thing over here. And so we gave all these, they had a toy each night. But then the last night was a dolphin, and Madden didn't get the dolphin. And her little face just dropped. And I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Ro is perfectly fine with this. Probably because, you know, she's not as close to Jesus as I am. But it's just like, I, I just, I don't know what it is. It's something about not wanting my kids to go through disappointment. That really affects me more than it should because this one is good. It's healthy for kids to learn that you get a raffle and only one kid wins out of 30. I mean, it's just it's logical. It's good for them to learn that. But for some reason, I have a really hard time with that. So afterward, we said, Madden, you helped us so much with Kids Club. Three nights, your parents were going crazy. We took her to Target. We got the, the dolphin for 10 bucks, you know. 
And she still has it today. We have it at the fish's house. We're playing with it. And well, then the same thing happened the next year, except this time it was Micah. Micah had his heart set on, we, we got a similar, it wasn't a dolphin, it was a shark. And so Micah just had his eye, and, and the third night, you know, and he still didn't win, his little chin is quivering, you know, and, and Rose is heartless, she just doesn't care. And so I'm just hugging him, I'm saying, man, and maybe I don't make it any better, I don't know, because I'm feeling, I'm feeling really, no, no, I try to tell them, look, there's a strong chance you're not going to win, like, like, nobody ever wins these things, you know, I've never won anything in my life, except that, except that one thing at Harley Davidson, I actually won that, that, that deal at Harley, I was shocked, my first thing I won in my life. So I was like, what in the world? So, you know, I, I try to prep them to not be disappointed. But inevitably, you know, five-year-olds are still sort of crushed. And it's like, oh, I, I don't like that. I don't like my kids going through that disappointment. I, I know it's healthy. It's good. And so the same thing happened last night. We had a raffle. And Micah is up there the whole time, you know. There's like everything up there was all things that he loves. I mean, fishing rods, basketball, football, soccer ball, everything. And, and Madden loves several of those things. Anyway, so sure enough, Madden didn't do anything, and so she was disappointed. We were talking about that, and so I shared with her a story. Um, it's because I was searching in my own heart. Why, why does that bother me so much? It shouldn't. It shouldn't bother me. Everybody's not winning raffle stuff, so it shouldn't bother me. Why does disappointment bother me so much? Why do I want to guard my kids from that so much? And so I was praying about that just all day yesterday. So whenever she had that experience, I got to talk to her last night. And, and I, I, I told her a story about when I was little. And um, um, we didn't, we didn't uh, make a lot of money uh, when I was little. My dad worked for J.C. Penney as a, as a loader guy who loaded stuff uh, on and off the trucks. Um, he didn't have an education because when he went to get his education, he was too busy um, dating mom to uh, <laughs> attend classes. So... <laughs> Um, he ended up dropping out of um, the the, uh, the community college there, so he had no. So he just kind of um, just kind of found this job, and it's one of those deals, you know, where you get pregnant and then you have kids, and then then, then they're, they're 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 trying to provide for us. And so we we really did work long hours and didn't really make a lot of money. And so our big deal, our big weekly deal, was on Friday when Dad got paid um, was to go to McDonald's. Um, that was it. We go to McDonald's and we get a Happy Meal. And so that was my big thing on Friday, Family Fun Day, Friday, Fleming Day. We would go to McDonald's and, uh, of course, they didn't have the playgrounds back then, so we went through the drive-thru and then we would go sit by the river, by the, by, by the Blue Water River that divides um, um, the U.S. from Canada. We'd sit there and watch the boats go by. And I would collect the toys in the Happy Meal. So all week, I'm a bit of a planner, so all week I know what's coming up, what toys coming up next, because you see the display thing. And so I know what's coming up next, and I'm planning on getting that, and I'm looking forward to it, and all that kind of thing. And so that night, we go through the drive-thru, and they had switched, like, they, the, they switched the whole thing. It was supposed to be a little blue truck, but they switched the whole thing and changed it to something else. I don't even remember, some dumb other whole set. Like a brand new set. Like they did it a day early, you know? I mean, I couldn't believe that they had done that. And so, um, you know, little hairy brain looking forward to it, so disappointed. And so my dad, like, we figured this out on our way to the water. And so dad turns around and he goes in, he tries to get the truck and comes out. They don't have the truck. But they said that the McDonald's across town might have it. So we drive all the way across town. Dad goes in, they don't have it. And dad comes out, you know? And so. You know, I started thinking, how did I deal with that as a little six-year-old? I was about six years old. Um, for me, the way that I dealt with it is I just, I just recognized that I, I, I felt good that my dad cared about that. 
that felt that felt good to me. Even though he wasn't able to fix it, at least he cared. So I had a dad who cared, and um, I thought, man, that's worth more than a truck. And so I really began to to realize that. And so as I was talking to, to Madden about that, you know, I said I think part of the sin of of overly concentrating on disappointment is that you are basically not being grateful for what you have. Like, it's, it's kind of what it is. Like, you're not thinking about what you have. You're thinking about what you don't have. And that can be classified as greed. That can be classified as a lot of things. But it's, you're, not, you're, just not, you're just not focusing on, on what God has given you. And so she said, you know, she said, yeah, but Micah won something. That's what bothers me. It's just the unfairness of it all. Because Micah has so many balls. Because he has so many balls. He needs, he needs not another ball. And, um, yeah, and so I said, okay. And so... And so I said, well, at the same time, like, I lived kitty-corner with, my, with my best friend, Brandon Lippert. Brandon Lippert, um, their parents, every Friday, they would take Brandon to a toy store. He, get, he got to go down the toy aisle and just get, like, guns and, like, G.I. Joe guys and G.I. Joe boats and hovercrafts and stuff like that. Like, he got, like, literal toys, not, not, not like McDonald's, you know, little truck, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, he got some real good stuff. And so one time I asked him about that. I said, how come Brandon Lippert... On their family day, how come he gets to go to the toy store and just walk down the aisle and pick stuff? And so my mom explained it really clearly that his dad makes more money than my dad. <laughs> it's just really that simple. His dad makes more money than your dad, and so they can afford to go to the toy aisle and get toys. And um, and so you know, I'm like, okay. And this is and this is where I think really the the the, the antidote to holding on to disappointment really comes from. Just simply trusting that God didn't put you with the wrong dad. Like God, God didn't 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 give you the wrong parents. He didn't he didn't make a mistake, right? Like I'm not better off with Brandon Lippert's dad. Brandon Lippert is supposed to be with Mr. Lippert, and that's who he's supposed to be with. I'm supposed to be with Mr. Fleming. That's who I'm supposed to be with. God picked out the family um, that He wanted me to live in. He picked out the place in in His infinite wisdom in in in, in His eternity. He looked. Out of all of history, and he dropped Terry right in nine, April 2nd, 1980, um, right along with David Sowers. And we both were just dropped off on the planet. It was a good day for Earth. Uh, we were dropped off on April 2nd, 1980. It could have been any other time in history, but he chose that time. He chose my parents. He chose Port Huron, Michigan. He chose the, ge- the geography. He chose the economic status. He chose, he chose the, the skin color. He chose... He chose every bit about me. And so for me to say, God, I think you messed up. I think I should have had this or I should have had that or I should have been given that means that I, in my you know, teeny tiny perspective of time, that I'm looking out at eternity saying eternity messed up and, 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 and you, don't, you don't quite understand. I ought to have that blue truck. And... Um, and so, and so Madden felt so bad. She said she, she she gave me a hug and she said that she wanted to buy me the blue truck. And, and I said that's very sweet, but you still don't understand. I don't need. Listen, <laughs> So we're still working on it. We're still still working on it. <laughs> because that is um, that is locking into to eternity. And, I th- and even though the, the whole truck thing seems very minimal um, to adults, it's actually a pretty big deal to kids. Um, and that's where it starts, though. <laughs> that's where this whole idea of eternity starts. Because I, as I told Madden, I said, honey, 
what God really wants is for you to go to heaven. And so he gives us opportunities um, because you say, well, how can I go to heaven? Well, well, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So if you want to see God, you have to be pure in heart. How do I get to be pure in heart? Well, it's easy. As these things appear in your life, it's a problem. And you, you, you purify it out. You get it out. You get this, this, this thing out of your heart. And, 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 and really what we're doing, we are, we are building almost, I see it as almost momentum as we go toward eternity. We're building momentum in one of two directions. Because people often say, well, well, God's judgment isn't quite, you know, it's, it's, it's not exact. It doesn't happen right now. We're living in this period of grace. At the end of it, that's when God's judgment is going to happen. And I don't really think that's true. I think God's judgment does happen right here and right now. Because people, like, like uh, I was talking to somebody just, just today about somebody who clearly has done something legal, yes, morally way off, ethically way off. Um, and, it's just, and it's just frustrating to that person. And, I, and I'm thinking about that, and I say, yes, but okay, even though legally he could get the money, yet ethically and morally he should not have taken the money. But, but what has the money done to him? Like, what has it done? It's, it's only been like, it's been like cement around his feet on the Titanic. It has only further entrenched him in this earth. It's only further held him onto this planet and put his eyes off of eternity and pulled them even more so down to this earth. It's only made him in love more with this stuff. And so that is judgment. That is the judgment of God. That by the time we arrive at the throne of God in our supposed judgment, God doesn't have to cherry pick different things because everything we've done has been moving us toward and locking us into our own destiny. And every act of cutting out and purifying our own hearts and and moving closer to God is is, is propelling us closer and closer to heaven. But everything that ties us down here to this earth is is, is locking us to the Titanic. It's it's cementing, the the, the cement is drying around our ankles. And we, and and, and judgment then is so so simple. I don't even know if God will have to pronounce judgment or if we'll just judge our own selves when we look at our entire life and everything that we've done and and so that's why it's so important to live with eternity because you may lose your job, you may, you may lose the money, you may lose this, you may lose that. But as long as your soul is right with God, as long as your heart is pure, as long as your heart is right with God, nothing else matters. And if your heart is not right with God, then nothing else can possibly measure up to even beginning to matter. Everything else is, is a complete wash, it's a complete waste when you look at eternity. So Lord, I just pray that you would stamp eternity on our eyelids. Help us to live. Help us to relate to others. Help us to examine our own hearts in regard to eternity. Is this dragging us down to earth or is this lifting us up to heaven? And it's not that things are wrong. Things and money are not bad. It's how we use these things and these money. And how we get them so often determines how we end up using them Lord, help us, help us to start building momentum for heaven. Help us to start building momentum like a waterfall, just the pressure and the weight moving us in one singular direction toward God, away from sin, away from carnality, away from uh, compromise, and toward, toward purity. We want, to, we want to see you, Lord. We want to spend eternity with you. We want to spend heaven with you. And we want to, we want to take other people with us. So Lord, help us to see others in light of eternity, not in light of how they are inconvenienced to our lives. Help us to see our children 
in light of eternity. These, these young people are going to grow up and go to heaven or hell. And for us, the most important thing is that our kids would know you, would walk with you, would love you, would worship you, and serve you. So I pray that you'd help us, even in our parenting, help us in our, in our, in our, in our jobs. All of our co-workers are either going to be in heaven or hell. Every single boss, every single employee has an eternal destination, has an eternity uh, uh, attached to them. And even though we weren't pre-existent, we, now that you have breathed the breath of life into us, that, that spirit is going to live on forever somewhere. Lord, help us to win some people to Christ while we can in this short period of time, this short expanse of time. It's no wonder that Jesus told the story where he said that when the Son of Man comes, he's going to divide the sheep and the goats. And the goats are going to go on his left and the sheep are going to go on his right. And to, to the sheep, or to the goats, he's going to say, look, I was sick and you didn't come visit me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was, I was, I was naked. You didn't clothe me. As much as you have not done to the least of these my brothers, you've not done unto me. And those go away into everlasting punishment. Meanwhile, the, the sheep, he says, I was sick and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. Several other things that you did for me, as much as you have done it to the least of these, you've done unto me, enter into your rest. He's not dividing them based on theological persuasions. He's not dividing them based on what denomination they were a part of or their, even their church attendance. He's not dividing them based on whether or not they, they had the gifts of the Spirit or didn't have the gifts of the Spirit, whether they sang hymns or whether they sang choruses. He's not dividing them whether or not they, they preached, whether or not they were on the radio, whether or not they had massive churches with thousands of people in them. He divides them based on how they treated people. Because time is so short, and what happens in this space affects the rest of eternity. And it's so selfish. And it shows such allegiance to self when we deny life to people for whom Christ gave his life. Lord, help us to see people in light of eternity. Help us to love people in light of eternity. Help us to forgive people in light of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, 8.15. I told you it would be done by 8.15. Um, so uh, we're going to be dismissed. I think storm's supposed to be rolling. Kids are over there. Kids are over there in that building. Um, thank you guys for coming tonight. I'll see you Sunday. Is, is Sunday the next thing? There's so many things this week. Um, we do have vow renewal on Sunday morning. And for those of you that were concerned, it looks like we're going to have AC in the building on Sunday. Oh, did you hear that today? Yeah. For those of you who didn't know what was going on, we've been working on it. So, anyway, it looks like Lord, the glory of the Lord. We're going to have AC on Sunday morning. Um, we are going to have to change up some things. Kids are going to be meeting in a different place. Our hospitality is going to be in a very different place. They're doing construction at the school, so... Yippee! Um, in the school. So, we're, we're, we're rolling with the punches. Um... God willing, we're going to have AC Sunday, and we're going to have vow renewals. So um, we're really looking forward to Emilio's um, not renewing. No, actually, I told I, I I I told one of our overseers about our vow renewal Sunday, and he's a guy who's a part of a denomination up in Ohio.
And um, he thought I was talking about something that John Wesley used to do, which I think maybe we ought to try this too, which you could participate in this one. That's um, the one I was talking about. John Wesley, every January, he would have a he would have a vow renewal where he would ask all of the members of his church to renew their vows to the church. <laughs> so he was like, so it's like if you're gonna leave the church, you're gonna leave in January, but if not, you're gonna commit to stay for the rest of the year. So there's a vow renewal service where everybody comes in and we have a membership covenant, but we don't have like vows and stuff. But anyway, you'd have vow renewal, you stand up and you pledge that this is your church. And it's it's on his teaching on commitment, which I think is actually there's some good to it. Um, I think there's some strength to saying, I'm here, this is my church family, and I'm not going to leave until God moves me on. Um, kind of kind of commitment. I think I think it's healthy. I think that's strong. But anyway, he had a vow renewal to the church. So we're not doing that. We're doing it for weddings, for marriages. It is, it is Jim and Cheryl's 40th wedding anniversary on June 5th. So that's, that's what inspired us to do it. So if you'd like to renew vows with your sweetheart, Free. We got like 11 couples doing it. The Bible rule is. And uh, we're going to have a good time. So, <laughs> anyway, all right, you're dismissed. Let's go ahead and pack down.